The Productive Woman, Episode 128. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan, and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thanks for joining me. In this episode, I'm looking forward to sharing with you my conversation with business coach Keisha Moore. You'll find more information about Keisha along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 128. And now let's get right into my conversation with Keisha. I am thrilled to be able to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Keisha Moore. Keisha is an educator, an author, a speaker, and an executive coach who helps professional women maximize their productivity while creating lives of balance. She's also a mom to teenage twins and an active volunteer around issues of affordable housing and community development, social inequality, and human rights, both domestic and international. She's basically just a busy woman like the rest of us, and I've really been looking forward to talking with her about what she does and how she manages it all. So welcome, Keisha. Thank you, Laura. I'm so excited to be here and to have this conversation with you and and with the audience. So I've been an avid listener, so I'm excited to be on the other side. Well, I'm I'm honored to know that. And we scheduled this a long time ago. So we were just talking about that before we hit the record button that uh, I, I've really been looking forward to, to this. So we haven't met before today. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I love to give a little bit of context for the listeners uh, as to, you know, who's talking and and kind of where you come from. So aside from the little bit of information I've given, maybe you could start by telling us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, you know, what your life is like. Okay. Well, as you said, like most women in this world, um, I wear multiple hats. And I see all of them as different facets of um, expressing my personality. So as an educator and an entrepreneur, I get to develop the hearts and minds of our nation's youth through my work as a college professor. And as a productivity coach, I get to help professional women really take control over their careers and their lives. Um, And that allows me to express that part of kind of my nurturing and investing in others' personality. And I also get to express that as a parent. So I have the pleasure of parenting, as you said, my 13-year-old twins. And I have realized that each phase of parenting really challenges me in new ways, It is my own kind of personal development course. Um, (laughs) My kids are um, my best teachers and they're very forgiving, which I so appreciate. Um, They're very supportive. But yeah, they challenge me to step up to the task. And as they grow and change, I feel like I need to grow and change as well. Um, So we've just embarked on our teenage years. And I hear a lot of people saying, oh, no, it gets terrible. Um, But I'm just really excited about who they're becoming and who I'm becoming from that process of interacting with them. 
um, I had the special privilege of being able to parent a child with autism. Mm. And that's taught me so much about learning how to embrace difference, how to create structured systems that allow people to be successful, how to celebrate very small wins and embrace the uncertainty of the future. Um, And it's also just shown me the importance of refusing to accept other people's limits um, or or you or your children. So this process of um, parenting has taught me a lot and um, given me another opportunity to um, practice kind of my dream of being able to invest in others and watch them grow. So whether it's the work that I do professionally or my parenting or my community building work, all of it allows me to um, do what I find rewarding, which is investing in others, building communities of love and justice. And that um, helps me. And I believe it helps me to make my biggest contribution to the world. So that's what I'm about. I just, and I love your attitude toward that. I mean, you you really, um, in that little description of who you are and where you kind of where you come from, I just hear a lot of, of, uh, purposeful positivity in your attitude towards the the things you're doing and the the you know your life in general. I love that. Yes, well, thank you. I'm excited that that gets communicated clearly. I really do believe in being purposeful and living life with intention. Um, it's something that I have uh, oriented my life around. That I orient my Um, coaching practice around and that I try to communicate to my children, like why that's important to be purposeful and to have a positive um, mindset. So I'm I'm glad that I was able to communicate that. Well, and it really is a choice, isn't it? I mean, we get to choose what perspective we bring to bear on the, the circumstances of our life. Exactly. Yeah. So um, as we get into talking about how you, uh, you know, how you manage the the various things that you're doing, I think it's always helpful to have a little bit of context for the, the kinds of things that you maybe are doing to stay productive. So could you maybe briefly give us a, a sense of what a typical day, if there is such a thing, what what a <laughs> typical day might be like for you? Sure. So my typical day changes every day, but my morning routine and my evening routine are consistent. So my morning routine, I wake up at 6 a.m. The first thing I do is exercise. So I actually go to sleep in my workout clothes so I don't even have to brush my teeth. I just walk downstairs, turn on my DVD and get my um, 30 minutes of exercise in. Then I make my smoothie with all my supplements and my veggies, and then I start getting my kids ready for school, Um, walking my daughter to the bus stop, getting my son picked up. Um, And then after that, I come back in the house. I do my morning meditation and my devotion, and then I take my shower, and I actually have in my... um, in my bathroom, a list of my personal affirmations. So whatever I'm trying to keep on the forefront of my mind and remind myself of, I write them on little index cards. And so I just have them. So while I'm brushing my teeth, you know, I'm looking at my affirmations and kind of reminding myself again of, you know, what are my intentions for the day? And that's how I get ready. So after that, I'm ready to go off to my first appointment of the day. So my day in terms of my work day 
really does change from week to week and from day to day. So there's no typical day, but I try to organize my work day around certain principles. Um, so one of the principles is grouping all my activities into buckets. And so I try to have, you know, my mornings I'm doing networking, my afternoons I'm teaching or all my errands at one time. Um, and so I try to apply that principle to how I've organized that day. I might have an internal day and an external day in any particular week. I also have my um, three MIGs, my most important goals for the day. So I write those down as soon as I start my day. And that's what I'm kind of focusing on, making sure I get accomplished during the day. And I never check my email um, for the first two hours of work, like whatever I'm doing, I always plan something else to do. And I save email for specific times that I've scheduled during that day. Um, and then when I have a significant amount of free time where I'm not in meetings or on coaching calls or things like that, I try to schedule um, deep work sessions at in two hour time blocks. And so that's two hours that I cut everything off. Um, shut down all social media. And that's my kind of writing, planning, creative time. So those are all the activities that I'll be doing in some combination um, on my daily routine. And then in the evening, after, you know, a lot of my afternoons and evenings are filled with kids activities, like most moms, um, I every now and then will do a little bit of my own work, maybe uh, have a coaching call with a client or something like that in the evening. Um, but really, it's focused on family time. And once I get my kids to bed at nine, you know, we do our goodnight kiss, we kind of lay in the bed and talk about our day. Um, and then as soon as they're out, I jump into my pajamas and I jump into bed. Um, so I try to get asleep by like 1030, but, um, uh, when I'm starting my bedtime routine, I'll start by writing out my banking account balance for all of my accounts. So I like to kind of just know where my money is every day and then I'll check my calendar for my next day. So those are my two activities kind of get me, um, present and ready for tomorrow and then I use the remaining kind of 40 minutes as my personal time to read. I may call a friend. I might journal. But to do something kind of relaxing that gets me ready, you know, to go to sleep. But, but yeah, lights are definitely out by 1030 so that I can get back up at 6. Well, I mean, that's a, it sounds like a great routine. There's so many questions that came to my mind as you were talking through that. I love the way that you you talked about um, kind of organizing your day in buckets or the things that you have to do in buckets so you're being more efficient instead of running out to do this errand and then come back uh -huh. for for something and then run out for another errand or or those sorts of things. Those are the, the little things that maybe... Uh, some people maybe people don't always think of those it doesn't maybe come to them intuitively to do it that way and yet it it's a way to buy yourself time oh yes you save so much time by grouping like things together and you know it's one of um david allen's work in um you know getting things done principles of making sure you group like things together and just in terms of having a designated time that I'm going to do errands instead of running in between or even email. Like, you know, we 
sit in, check our email and, oh, I'm just going to write this one email. And then you find yourself reading other email and that, you know, and so it's like when I give myself a specific time, I have 30 minutes. That's when I'm going to do my email and get through whatever I can get through in that time. And then I shut it down so I can do other things. And it just keeps my mind um, more present on what I'm doing. I'm not multitasking and, and the energy that it takes for us to switch from one task to another actually um, is significant in terms of, you know, draining our focus. So I try to do one thing, give it my full attention and then move on to something else. Yeah, there have been some interesting conversations in um, the Productive Woman Community Facebook group about the, this whole issue of the difficulty we seem to, as a culture, have with focusing anymore. Yes. And the impact of social media on that is huge. Yes. You know, that, that constant, the hit of dopamine we get every time we get pinged by an email or a text or a social media, you know, Facebook update or something. And who, who's liked my post? How many likes do I have? And how many comments do I have? It's addictive. And it's, it's quite addictive. Yeah. And so to um, how did you develop this um this routine and the discipline to say um, only schedule certain times to check your email and not check it because if you're you have you know your own your coaching business and different things there's a, a big temptation to want to be always available always checking because yeah. what if somebody wants to hire you or how, how do you resist that Yes. So one is actually reminding myself that, you know, there's rarely a time where 12 hours is going to make or break my life or my business. Um, I don't do heart surgery. And so, you know, usually when someone writes to me, I can give, give myself, I have a designated time to respond. The other thing is training um, the people that I work with to know, you know, so with my students, I tell them, this is how I work. So, you know, this is not a text-based immediate culture. Don't send me an email and think two hours, you know, within 20 minutes, I'm going to get back to you. And so as I lay out those expectations, I find that, yeah, people, if you really need to reach me, if it's something urgent, those people have my cell number and can reach out to me that way. But most work, most email is not urgent. Mm -hmm. And once I started kind of shifting my email time back, my goal is to get email down to once a day. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. Um, but I realized that sometimes when I would check my email, you know, let's say three hours into the day, there's been this cycle of people, you know, emailing, trying to set up a meeting and or asking for questions. And then they've actually answered their question mm -hmm. before I've responded in the email. So it saves me time because sure. I'm like, wow, I didn't have to spend that five email cycle going back and forth. They figured out the answer or they decided, you know, um, on a specific meeting date. And so, yeah, I feel like it's a much more efficient use of my time um, to limit it. But we have so many different ways of having people get in touch with us. So it's really figuring out how we can manage the parameters around various social media um, and various types of communication. I do for phone and text uh, is what I give out to people who will need to meet, meet with me or speak to me kind of in real time 
very urgent. My children, their teachers, you know, have that. But for the people, you know, for whom, like I said, 12 hours is not going to make or break their life, we do email and I can get back to them in a very quickly fashion. Yeah. And that's something I have to confess that I struggle with just because of what I do in my day job. I'm a transactional real estate lawyer and there's kind of a client expectation that I'm going to be available and and things are always very urgent for them and or, you know, that's how they feel about it. And so it's been a real challenge for me to sort of develop a system of I'm going to be available to you when you, I know you need me, you know, when we have a closing pending or something like that. But there's, for me, it's more rather than at least for, because of what I do, rather than being able to say, I'm, I'm going to check email only at this time and this time each day. It's more like I, I, I pick a couple times during the day when I'm not available, when I am mm-hmm. shutting it down to do mm-hmm. that more focused, deep work, which is mm-hmm. kind of the reverse of what you're doing. I like your system better. I haven't figured out how to make it work for my, my, you know, the, my client's expectations at this point, but, uh, you know. Yeah, that makes sense because everyone has a different, the nature of your work is different. Yes. Like I said, you know, if, if I was a you know, heart surgeon or a doctor on call, like there are times when you just have to be available, but I love your plan of you know, setting time when you're not available and communicating to your clients, you know, I'm not available between these hours. And I think most times when we set boundaries and we actually communicate those boundaries to other people, they can learn how to adjust, but it's when they have the expectation that we're always going to be available and we never directly confront that expectation that they feel like we've let them down if we haven't responded immediately. Yeah, because so much our our society has gotten so instant, immediate everything that Mm -hmm. the the default Mm -hmm. expectation seems to be that, you know, we're going to respond immediately. And I, you know, you can smile when you get an email and two minutes later you get a phone call from the person saying, did you get my email? You haven't responded yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did. I'm thinking about a response. You actually pay me to think. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So the cost of being always on and always available is that we don't have the time to think. We're not... I know for me, I'm not my most pleasant person if I just, you know, am always rushed and harried. And so carving that time out for myself lets me do my work better and present myself in a way that is more consistent with how I want to be. Like, I don't want to be stressed and kind of snapping at people. So, yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah. That's really wise and and something very much worth thinking about for all of us to to think about how we can implement those kind of concepts in our life. Whether it's limiting our time that we're available, or at least setting aside some time each day, each week, whatever, where where we can have that time to think and focus and not be continually pulled away by other people's priorities, basically. Exactly. 
Well, this I, I, that's it's interesting. I appreciate you thinking through that with me. That's it really wasn't going to be a, a, a episode about email, but <laughs> you know, email is the bane of so many people's existence. Yeah, it's so funny that these that these tools that help us connect can also drive us crazy. Yes. We well, have to drive technology, not let it drive us. Absolutely. That's a, a, a there, there's a tweetable quote. So moving on, uh, you know, one of the things I love uh, talking with guests about is um, the, the sorts of things that you, the challenges that you face in terms of staying productive and all of that. Because I can learn something from everybody and everybody's life is a little different, presents different challenges as, as far as staying productive and getting those things done that matter most to them. Well, you, you obviously have a system in place. You've thought about this. You're a very productive person in the traditional sense. But what would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life and the, the roles that you play and, the, and all of that? So I would say my biggest challenge is becoming too busy. Right, Because I have so many things that I'm doing and that I want to do and they're all important. And sometimes I find that even with all my systems and things that I have in place, I still feel rushed. Like I'm going from one meeting to the next, to the next, to the next. And I don't have the time to be thoughtful, to do planning. And I find that I'm not present in the moment. So I might be with my kids and thinking about, you know, something that I need to do for work or I'm at work and thinking about, you know, my grocery list. And so I'm really not focused. Um, and when I get in those spaces, my anxiety goes up. I start to feel so much more stressed. I start snapping at people. And so it kind of creates tension in my relationships. Um, and so it's a major problem for me and a lot of how I came to learn about the productivity um, structures that I use and systems that I use and that I help my clients use is because I really needed them <laughs> to help me kind of beat back that busyness. And I still do. Um, but when I was younger, when I was in graduate school, I actually thought that being busy and being productive were the same thing. And then we kind of treated busyness as a badge of honor. It's like, oh, I'm so busy. I only got three hours of sleep last night. Oh, I have to do this and this. And, you know, that meant like, wow, you were a really committed scholar. And, you know, you were just involved and, and committed and ambitious and doing everything. Um, and at that time, I didn't realize that it was my busyness that was actually preventing me from doing my best work. And it was my busyness that was stressing me out. So I started um, reading all about productivity because I actually wanted to be more efficient so I could do more things and be even <laughs> busier. Like that was my goal. And, you know, I know that you often talk about productivity as not you know, about being super busy. It's about accomplishing the things that really are important to you and creating a life that matters to you. So that took me a while to really kind of adjust from busy to productive. And in order to do that, I had to learn how to get clear on what does matter to me. And then I needed to prioritize those things and it meant that I needed to do less 
than what I was currently doing. And I needed to say no much more often. So those remain challenges for me. Like I, I've learned a lot and I implement the systems and structures to keep me from being busy. Um, But at times when I can feel my anxiety coming up, that's like a time for me to check and say, oh, did I get caught up in busyness again and allow myself to kind of fall into that pattern? Because it's a very familiar um, pattern for me and I can kind of default back to that. So that's been one of my biggest challenges is reminding myself busy is not productive. You know, being productive, not busy. Yeah, I think that is such a challenge for so many of us. And we, I've, I've actually, out of conversations that I've had with uh, women in different in my masterminds or on in the Facebook group, there's almost a sense of guilt if we're not filling up every moment of every day that we're then yeah. we must somehow not being productive, like having uh, white space in your life. <laughs> Um, it means you're not productive enough, but it really, Uh I mean, that's, I love what you're saying here, that, that realization that it's not filling up every moment of every day is not what makes you a productive person, at least as I talk about it on this show. And as I've, you know, as I've gotten older, come to learn that there's that, you know, productivity is about so much more than that. And it's, it's the, the doing is a, is a tool, whatever things you decide you're going to do, those are a tool to create the life that, that has meaning to you. Exactly. And so not only is busyness not productive, but it actually stands in the way of us being our most productive selves. So I totally agree with you on that. I love that. So, so, in, in dealing with these things, and besides just becoming aware, which I, 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 you know, I've said this before, I think that's the first step is becoming aware of what, what your thinking is and how it's driving the way you run your life. Um, uh-huh. and, and deciding is, you know, this, if this is my attitude towards life, to, towards productivity and this busyness thing, do I like the outcome or do I want to change that? And, uh-huh. and you know, so awareness is kind of the first step. But given that you've, you know, thought about those things, you've developed those things, I love to ask if there are any particular tools that you use or like or resources that you recommend in terms of just managing your time or and the the commitments that you've made. And, uh, you know, what, what tools and, and resources do you use? So I'm an addict to productivity tools. So I have a lot that I love, but um, my three kind of favorite are the ones that are the most helpful for me. One is my Google, Google calendar. Like everything I do goes on my calendar. I schedule my errands. I, you know, create blocks of time for me to do things. And if it's not on my calendar, I will forget it. And so if I'm talking with someone and they're like, oh, can we get together? please email me so I can kind of drop it electronically into my calendar. And that allows me to not have to kind of have my brain constantly wondering what am I supposed to do when I wake up or start my day. Um, When I get into the office, I can just look at my calendar and I already know what I'm going to do 
Um, and so that's really helpful. And it also helps me to see if I have too many things going on at one time. Um, so I love my calendar for that. The second tool that I use, um, I use with pen and paper and it's my three MIGs, my most important goals for the day. So I don't do a really long to-do list. I only give myself three things. I write them down because writing them down helps me to get clarity. Um, but it's three, so I can easily remember it um, after I've written it down. And, though, and I ask myself, like, at the end of my day today, if I've only accomplished three things, what would make me the most proud? Um, and so those are the three things that I then write down and I can keep that in the forefront of my mind. And so it makes it manageable. So that really helped me moving from my long to-do list to just three. And then the other thing that helps me a lot is scheduling my leisure activities. So I have, you know, a list of things that I'd like to do and I regularly schedule them in to my calendar. So if it's having lunch with friends, if it's taking a massage, getting a massage, if it's doing a family activity that I want to do with my kids. Um, and I was reading where they were saying that, you know, when you um, have a plan for your leisure time, you actually are happier because you're more likely to do the things that you want to do as opposed to having to just you know, spend time, like it's just done. And you're like, oh, well, what did I do with that time? So the same way I create um, activities for me to do when I'm on working, I also create activities um, for me to do during my leisure time. And I like it. Another reason why I like it is because it creates containers for my work. So, you know, it work has to end at this time so that I can do these other things. And um, so I take the last two weeks of December off for my celebrations and planning. And then my children's birthday is three days after mine. So, um, and we're both born in, we're all born in August. So I actually take the entire month of August for us to do birthday celebrate. Well, for me to do my own birthday celebration, which I call Keisha Palooza, but I allow them to participate <laughs> with me. So I'll share their day. We always do our family vacation during that time of our birthday week. Um, but I find just having scheduled activities allow us to have things that we can look forward to, things that we talk about. So when the weekend is coming, it's not just thank God it's Friday because I don't have to go to school or work. It's thank God it's Friday because that's kicking off this like really fun thing that we want to be able to do. I love that. I think, you know, it's, it's something we don't, a lot of us don't think about that. Uh, you know, we're not intentional about our leisure time. It's just we sort of Friday comes and we come home and just collapse and have no plan for anything in particular other than maybe, you know, getting the house cleaned or something, but to, to actually schedule those fun things, put them on your calendar, just like you would any other appointment, make not just, not just find time for it, but create the time and schedule other things around it. I think that is so important. Exactly. I love it. 
Well, Keisha, I, you you told me that you listen to the show sometimes, so you know that I have a question I ask every guest. It's one of my favorites because I always learn something, and I've heard from listeners that they like it too. So, so here's that question. Do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my number one go-to is going to sound strange, but it's sleep. So for me, sleep is like a free vacation. It's my reset button. There are times when I'm just, you know, busy and overwhelmed and I things aren't going well and I feel like I just have to in this day right here. Let's just call it a day and sleep. And the next day, oftentimes I wake up feeling more refreshed. I'm more optimistic. I can kind of tackle things. And so um, I love sleep. And I would love to do like a whole just class on how important sleep is and what it does to your brain chemistry and how it changes your body. But um, it's something that works for me. Now, I realize a lot of people can't sleep, especially when things get very stressful for them. And, you know, um, insomnia is a very real thing. I thank God have never had that problem. So um, sleep is usually my go-to. And then the next thing that I do is look to create margin in my schedule. So when I'm feeling very anxious, it's because I, I am too busy. I've allowed myself to get too busy. That's my signal. So then I look at my schedule and I ask myself, what are the appointments that I can reschedule? How can I create more white space in my calendar? What are activities that I can just stop doing, right? How can I get out of um, some of the obligations that I have created for myself that are making me feel stressed out? And then what are activities that I can delegate? So I'll sleep, I'll have a refreshed mind. Um, and if this is a chronic issue, then I'll look at... Um, actually my schedule for that week and for the next week and try to create um, more space in my schedule. And then the third thing that I will do is to sit with my vision, kind of revisit my vision and the purpose. Why am I doing all these things that I'm doing? So every year I make a vision board, which I know, you know, a lot of um, your listeners do as well. And I keep it in my bedroom so I can look at it every day. But sometimes I need to just sit there and look at it and meditate on it, or I'll reread my journals. And I find that doing those things allow me to reconnect with my purpose. And that helps me to see, you know, what's got where I've gone wrong, where I've kind of gotten caught up in things that aren't really central to my mission. And I can cut some of those things out. And it also just gives me the energy and motivation to get back up, do it again, you know, try one more time. Um, and so I find those three things, usually if I can do them all, I start to get my second wind and come back to myself. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that sounds like an awesome approach for all of us to consider. I, you know, sleep is, is precious. <laughs> I mean, it really is. And, and, and I love the, the, the last one, the reconnecting with your why. So often we can get so tied up in the day to day that we forget 
why we're doing it, as you said, and, and to, to take a step back and remind ourselves, what kind of life am I trying to create here? What kind of person do I want to be? And does my calendar reflect that person and that life? Mm-hmm. And if not, what can I do to change it? And the awesome thing is we can always change it. Exactly. Yes. That's the thing. We're not stuck into, you know, this rudder, this calendar that we've created for ourselves. Like we set up those obligations, we can change them. Yeah. So, so true. So true. Well, Keisha, this has just been so awesome. You, you have brought so much wisdom. I've kept thinking I want to take notes instead of (laughs) asking questions, but uh, maybe you can come back another time and we can talk about some more things because there's lots more I'd love to talk with you about. Um, in the meantime, what's uh, you know what's on the horizon for you? You're you've got a lot of things that you do, a lot of roles you play. Um, any anything interesting coming up in Keisha Moore's life, professionally or otherwise? <laughs> yes, well, professionally, I've decided to spend the first quarter of this year actually doing some free webinars on effective goal setting. So Mm -hmm. I know it's something that's very important to me and to a lot of people. Um, And I don't want people to give up on the promises and commitments that they made to themselves in the new year. And I don't want them to go into 2018 without any significant improvement in their lives. So I've decided to offer a series of webinars that will, you know, encourage and equip people with very concrete skills around setting and achieving the goals that they have for themselves this year. So I'm really excited about doing that. Well, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And can they um, learn about this on your website? Is that, uh, is there information there about how to get in on this? There's information on my website and there's also a a link to register for the webinar that um, I sent to you and I can um, resend it, but it's the Make 2017 Your Best Year Ever. Perfect. That's the title of the webinar and to encourage people, you know, it doesn't matter that it's February or March, like you still can accomplish um, your most important goals this year. So that's what we're about doing. Yeah, well, I'll be sure and put put that link in the show notes uh, for this episode so people can participate in it. I I think it's interesting because, you know, I didn't really, uh, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but I've actually been recording some episodes of the podcast kind of around the whole concept of goal setting for mm-hmm. the the very reason that, I, that it's been coming up a lot as uh, maybe because it's you know the beginning of a new year and people are talking about setting goals and all that sort of thing and I've I've had a lot of conversations I mean a series of them with different women saying I just don't even know what I you know what I should be doing or how where to start mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I, I will definitely um, point listeners to, to your webinars as a resource for that, in addition to the things that we'll be talking about on the show here. Wonderful. Um, Thank you. And so where can people connect with you online? Where's the best place to find you? So uh, you can connect with me via my website, which is www.yourlifeinfocus.com coach.com. Okay. You can also connect with me via Facebook. I have a, a um, company page, Life and Focus Coaching. And via Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Coach Keisha. 
um, and LinkedIn, okay. Keisha Moore. Okay. So those are the main social media places. Oh, and I, I'm sorry. I also have a YouTube channel. Um, yes, which is Life and Focus Coaching. So if you type that into YouTube, the, it'll come to the channel. I have a number of short videos that I've been making around kind of um, how to have effective conversations, around how to um, do some um kind of effective, more effective goal setting and how to work through some problematic habits. Um, so yeah, that's a, another resource that people might want to check out. Perfect. And again, I'll have links for all of those uh, ways to connect with Keisha in the show notes for this episode. Well, before we wrap up, I guess I want to you know give you one last chance to, and ask if you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help in, you know, in getting things done and making a life that matters. Do you have any, any thoughts for, for that listener? Yes. I would encourage you to focus on making a life that matters to you. So focus on developing your own vision of success, not living out somebody else's vision. And I just want to encourage you that you can create a life that makes a lasting impact on the world and that as you do what it is that is important to you, you can create a life that rewards you greatly, financially, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, that's the life that I want all of us to have and that I believe that we can have. And that is a life that is a celebration of you. So I would encourage every listener to focus on their own personal vision of success and cultivating that to create this kind of life that celebrates their unique gifts and talents, abilities, and values. Well, I couldn't say it any better than myself. That is awesome. Thank you for that, Keisha. And thank you for, for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you, Laura, for this opportunity. I've so enjoyed chatting with you. I feel like we've been friends in my head um, <laughs> since I love listening to the podcast and your, you know, just very warm and nurturing voice. Um, and so it's great to be able to have the two-way conversation now. So thank you for this opportunity. Well, and, and I hope it won't be the last. Definitely not. I really appreciate Keisha taking the time to share her thoughts with us on how she manages her very busy life and for her great suggestions and very encouraging words for the rest of us. But what do you think? Do you have any questions for Keisha? Was, is there anything that she said that particularly resonated with you? I'd love to hear from you. I know Keisha would as well. Please feel free to share your questions or your thoughts in the comments section of the show notes of this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 128, or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman's Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group which is a great place to have conversations about things like this. If you'd like to share your thoughts with me privately, as always, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. Uh, as just a side note, if you haven't already done so, please join me and the others in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. This is a private group 
where we can meet up and interact more. Um, you know, I love talking with you, but but it's kind of a one-sided conversation. In the Facebook group, we can actually communicate back and forth. You can ask questions, share information, folks share articles they find that are kind of interesting and related to conversations going on in there. Um, it's, it's just a great way to interact and encourage and, and, and support each other and talk about things related to productivity and making a life that matters. So find that uh, group in Facebook. You can go to theproductivewoman.com slash group and click the join button and I'd love to see you there. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. I appreciate you spending this time with me and with Keisha. I hope that something in this episode was useful and helpful to you, and I'd love to hear from you about it. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself, and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.